0: Welcome to the Plaster Life Podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott Sando,
1: and I'm your other co-host, Chris Gray. And as we look ahead to Veterans Day this week, we thought we'd take a look back at our greatest generation and one of America's biggest challenges and one of our biggest triumphs, World War II. Every day we lose more and more of the folks who lived through that era, but still with us today and living outside of Auburn is Betty Sampson, one of the original Rosie the Riveters. She sat down with us last month to talk about her experiences working as an aircraft engine repair person on the line what it was like to live through those times, and what Veterans Day means to her. Um, Betty, could you tell us when you moved to Placer County, and then maybe just give us a flavor of what the county was like back then, and how it is today, how it's changed.
2: Uh, We moved to Placer County in 1952. We bought a ranch out in the Mount Vernon district. We're still there, and things have changed. You're right. (laughs) Uh, It was a, a slower pace of life, and... Fewer buildings, lots fewer buildings.
1: Tell us about the experience of learning about the attack on Pearl Harbor.
2: You know, after living to be 91, it's kind of hard to go back exactly into these things. But, of course, that was, we heard it on the radio. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air. President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. We take you now
0: to
1: Washington.
2: Naturally, we didn't see it on TV. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was going to Grant Union High School in El Paso Heights, and I was in my junior year, and they offered an aircraft mechanics course, and we could get out of six months early, and go to work, (laughs) which is what I did. I took the aircraft mechanics course in high school, and I think we graduated on a Friday or Saturday. On Monday morning, I was working at Post Schools at McCollin Air Force Base. I think it probably was a a five-week course at Post Schools, and I went to what we called engine repair, and... uh, well, first I was making, I think, $89 a month, which was really big money. And then I got to $100 a month when I got into engine repair and started my, my work.
1: And what was that first day on the job like?
2: Well, it was kind of exciting, really. And more, right when I went to work... There were some girls working, ladies, girls, working, but not too many as they came on on board later on. Some of the girls that I worked or went in this aircraft engine course with didn't follow through on it. they kind of went to office jobs and stuff when they got out and decided this is kind of hard work. Uh, I don't know how long the building was, but they had the engines lined up and on a a cable, a chain thing that pulled them one by one, one, and you'd each have a station. And as you moved up, I finally, about the first year, I learned all the stations so that I could take, you know, if somebody was off, they could say, Betty, go do so-and-so today. So that was kind of interesting. I didn't have to do the same dumb thing all the time.
0: (laughs) I read somewhere where you bought your first car.
2: Yeah, I bought my first horse first. You got your horse? (laughs) Then I bought a car.
0: (laughs) What was the name of your horse?
2: Uh, Rex. And all he did was buck me off. (sighs) I'm not kidding. Every time I got on (laughs) him.
1: That's one thing you can't accuse a car of.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How did it feel to work on these aircraft engines and aircraft knowing that you know, where they were destined for and, and helping a lot of people
1: um, around the world.
2: You know what I tell Bud Anderson? He couldn't have flown if I didn't fix his engine.
1: <laughs> That's Bud Anderson, World War II flying ace, also lives in Auburn. Bud, if you're listening, we'd love to talk to you. We'll be in touch.
2: It, it was really, you, you think about this because, you know, there's... Room for air or anywhere <laughs> working on some. Of course, they're really well inspected and everything, too, but you, you certainly thought about that angle of it.
1: When you know that your nation's at war and you know that your work really is the foundation of us being able to, to kind of fight.
2: Our world was patriotic. You know, some people think now that it's patriotic, but everybody was, and everybody worked together. For this, and we even thought our president was really pretty great. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people, in their righteous might, will win through to absolute victory. It's hard to explain a, such a different world to you guys that weren't even born yet.
1: <laughs> how were you kind of keeping? tabs on what was happening overseas.
2: We'd go to the theater and and see the uh, newsreels. Planes line up to take part in the greatest air invasion in history by the first allied airborne army, Americans... Two, which was very informative.
1: It wasn't always clear what the outcome of the war was going to be, I can imagine, especially in the earlier days. definitely not, and
2: you had no idea how, how long it was going on either, but
1: the United States had lost the war, how did you view what would have happened?
2: Oh, gosh, I've never really—I never really thought about that one. We couldn't lose the war. <laughs> but we certainly could have had more attacks and, and or, or had serious attacks and things, you know. I think it was on everyone's mind, sure. Yeah. And you bought war bonds.
0: Getting your information, your news from the radio and from newsreels— um, did that change the morale when you heard the news about the invasion at Normandy on D-Day?
2: Unconfirmed by Allied sources, of course, says that heavy fighting is taking place between the Germans and invasion forces on the Normandy Peninsula, about 31 miles southwest of La Havre. Another bulletin, also from Berlin Radio and Unconfirmed, says that British-American landing operations against the western coast of Europe from the sea and from the air, are stretching over the entire area between Cherbourg and La Havre. A distance well, sure. Miles. And repeat, at that point no in time, we didn't care what, what we what we bombed or what or or we did as long as, as we went into war. Hey, war is so war. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you couldn't help but feel sorry for all the innocent people that had to die, but, you know, that's... That's what war is. That's the war. So, yeah but... Getting back to the invasion of Normandy, I did meet a young man named Johnny Cassidy. He was from Byhalia, Mississippi, and no, oh, I don't know what would have happened if he came home, but he didn't and he was in the landing in Normandy and he, he was hurt and died a few days later he's He's buried there so uh, but you of course, that touched home because you know. He's, he and one other of, of the young men I met are the only two that I know that died. So.
1: Hearing news about the war on the radio, sometimes it could seem far from home. But then sometimes, out of nowhere, it was uncomfortably close.
2: Uh, yeah, I was, walked out my back door one evening. It was already dark. I'd, I'd say it was around 8, 9 o'clock. And all of a sudden, I heard this. <laughs> <laughs> up in the sky and there it was. My, my young, younger brother found a machine gun from the plane later on. You see, it was all open fields except the perimeter of the base which had a high fence around it, and he found this machine gun.
1: What happened in that incident? Did you ever well, find out? It,
2: it just blew up in the air, that's all. It, you just didn't get the information that fast. We didn't need to know. So, I mean, it was military stuff.
0: What did you do for fun?
2: <laughs> oh, well, I think probably the same thing as young people do nowadays. We'd go out to dinner, or go to theater. Well, downtown Sacramento was, our, was where you went. I dated a lot of sailors, and that was kind of good because they had money. And uh, they'd like to spend it. <laughs> anyway, they'd come from San Francisco because San is so overwhelmed with military, every kind of military, including sailors. They'd come up to Sacramento and leave. And we had, you'd go to a bar or a restaurant or something, and you'd have the girls come around with flowers, and cigarettes, and, you know, like you see in the movies. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of neat, you know, because, I always liked gardenias. (laughs) Well,
1: it seems like it was a time that was, you know, probably filled with a lot of anxiety about what was happening, but at the same time, very exciting.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. It was an exciting time to live, sure. I mean, you you didn't sit around and mope constantly because your country was at war. You did what you had to do and uh, helped, and uh, then you had fun, too.
1: So today we're used to seeing this classic image of the Rosie the Riveter, but at the time it was a pretty novel idea seeing women in jobs like this, and there was plenty of media coverage, including lots of photos of Betty on the line. Today, Betty's one of the women that's commemorated at the Rosie the Riveter, World War II Homefront National Historical Park in Richmond.
0: When, when we think of um, women working um, in factories, in building naval ships and working on airplanes. Uh, we have the image of Rosie the Riveter, which is a, an icon.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, is that an accurate image?
2: Yeah. We all had to have our scarf around our head. We didn't wear a polka dot one. but And usually uh, these outfits we had are like a coverall. And Hale's uh, Department Store in Sacramento sold, were the only organization that sold these particular Outfits are khaki colored, and after we're through this, I can show you some pictures. But um, or they, we wore girls didn't wear pants as much as we do nowadays, for one thing. But we did wear jeans or slacks to work. Uh,
0: How does it feel to have embodied that icon?
2: Oh well, I, it's it's been a privilege and a, a pleasure to do this. Yeah, it makes you really proud that you had a part in this and and helped during a time that was really needed.
0: What does Veterans Day mean to you?
2: Veterans Day's always been really important to me. I, in honor of guys like Johnny that died. Uh, it um, incidentally, I I have a younger daughter too, and a friend of hers lived in lives in New York, and he's tra- a young man, a very young man. He travels a lot, on the Queen Mary and stuff like that. Anyway, a couple of years ago, he went to France and went to the cemetery and found his grave for me. <laughs> so that was, but yeah, the veterans thing means a lot to me. It still does. We always go to the the service at the cemetery and that kind of. And like I say, I've been riding in the parade. This will be the sixth year, so that's always fun, and I do my rosy thing.
1: Um. Well, it'd be uh, we'll look for you this year. It'll certainly be interesting to see you okay. still wearing that uniform. And I think a lot of people would be impressed that it still well, fits, of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much for your service um, and spending time with us today. We'd certainly appreciate it. It means a lot to us. It's been an honor. Well,
2: thank you for having Absolutely. me. Certainly. Well, it's been a pleasure. All the day long, where the rain shine she's a part of the assembly line. She's making history, working for victory, Rosie. Uh, the keeps a sharp lookout for sabotage. Sitting up there on the fuselage, that little brave can do more than
0: America can do, Rosie. Uh,
1: Around Veterans Day, we often get questions about how people can get involved to help veterans in our community. There are plenty of local veteran service organizations that would love your help, so we always encourage you to find a cause close to your heart and to do what you can.
0: But we could also use your help spreading the word about our veterans' housing program. Sadly, there are a few dozen homeless veterans in Placer County who are eligible for housing assistance vouchers, but can't find a landlord to take them.
1: Through our veterans' housing program, landlords get guaranteed rent and a chance to give back to those who've served. If you're a landlord or know someone who is, Check out the program at placer.ca.gov backslash veteranshousing.
0: Well, that wraps it up for today. Thank you very much to Betty Sampson for taking the time to join us. And, of course, thank you so much to all the Placer County veterans for your service.